Okay, even though we had some technological problems and we're getting a late start, <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, try to spend some time here in this topic of the gifts of the Spirit. And I don't think we'll get through everything now, but we'll get it through as much as we can. What I plan to do today <clears throat> was going to be kind of like a flying in a helicopter over a small town. We're just going to be able to get the big picture. We'll be able to point out things like, well, there's City Hall, and there's the police department, and the fire department, and the post office, and the gas station, and the grocery store, and hardware store, and housing area, that kind of thing. <clears throat> We're going to get the big picture. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> if, had, if, if we had time, we could stop and go down to each one of those, uh, those buildings and find out what's in this hardware store. Excuse me. What's, you know, what's, uh, what do we have in the grocery store? <clears throat> but we're not going to have that time. So <clears throat> we're just doing an overview and um, we'll see how far we can get with that. <clears throat> what I want to do is, first of all, what I wanted to do is give you a list of the gifts of the Spirit. And I had, I just, I could just display them all up here real quickly, but we won't have time to do that. So turn with me, if you will, to. <clears throat> we'll start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> and if you will look with me, beginning at verses uh, 7 through 11. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, so if yours reads this a little bit differently, um, you'll, I think you'll be able to follow along okay. Says, uh, let's let's actually read a verse uh, verse eight. For to for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. So there's a listing of some of the gifts of the Spirit. And if you'll flip over with me to um, verse 28 of the same chapter, <clears throat> we read this, And God has appointed to the church, in the church, first apostles, second prophets, notice that first and second, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, all that are they? All do not do not have gifts of healings, do they? All are all do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Flip with me back to um, Romans chapter twelve. <clears throat> Romans chapter twelve. And let's begin reading at verse 6. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. <clears throat> One other passage that we're going to look at, Ephesians chapter 4, 
I just want you to just start paying attention to what some of the gifts are that are listed here. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4. And um, we read in the earlier part of this chapter that Christ uh, ascended, ascended back into heaven and he gave gifts to men. And some of those gifts are listed beginning in verse 11 of chapter 4. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service and the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of, God, Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, notice that, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into the, in, in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body, notice that too, the growth of the body, for the building up of itself in love. <coughs> so what I'd like to do here is just make some observations about these lists, the things that we read about in those lists. And the first is <clears throat> just a, a quick note with regard to the classification of the list. By the way, in Peter, Peter mentions his two categories of lists. He says those who have gifts of serving and those who have gifts of, um, of, of speaking. <clears throat> and so we could classify the gifts into those two categories, serving, speaking. Those aren't the only categories. We could categorize them as permanent and temporary or ordinary and extraordinary or office-bearing and non-office-bearing. There are various categories that we could use <clears throat> to classify the gifts, and I, and I don't think there's any one particular right way. We're not going to really try to, try to focus on that at this point. Later on, we're going to talk about those that are extraordinary versus those that are ordinary. Larry, real quick, did you get the recorder? Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> The numbers are moving. Sorry about that. Yep, still moving. With regard to the distribution of the gifts, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to look back with me there real quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, how are the gifts distributed? Well, according to Paul, he says that for to each one, I'm looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. For to each one is given the, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then in verse 11 it says, But to one and the same Spirit, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So the gifts that an individual have are distributed to him by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit chooses. He is the sovereign distributor of the gifts. Then there's the inclusiveness of the gifts, not only classification, distribu uh, distribution, but the inclusiveness of the gifts that I want to mention. We've already read this from 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 that we just got through reading earlier and from Romans. And that is simply this, that every person 
has at least one gift. Now, I don't think most of us may not be limited to one gift, but everybody has at least one gift. And the Lord doesn't contemplate a situation in, in the church where, oh, well, we've got, you know, 100 people in the church, but I've given gifts to like 25 of them or 75 of them. <clears throat> no, he contemplates uh, a situation in which everybody in the body has a gift of some sort. Every part of the body is necessary. And every part of the body is to be functioning. And that's the way that the New Testament approaches this. And so the question really for you is not going to be, um, will I use my gift? The question is, how will I use my gift? That's what the Lord expects. Every part of the body needs to be functioning. You don't, you don't have the hand to say one day, well, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not part of the body. I'm not needed anymore. So I'm just going to not do anything. No, so you need to be thinking about what does the Lord want you to do in the use of the gifts because everybody is included when it comes to having a spiritual gift to use for the Lord. Now, this listing that we read through is incomplete. So this is the fourth point if you're taking notes, incompleteness in the list of the gifts. I don't think that if we were to compile all the gifts that were mentioned in all the places in the New Testament <clears throat> that we would have necessarily a exo an exhaustive list of all the gifts. Think about it. One, uh, what about the gift of preaching? Is that a gift? I think so. It's not in the lists. What about the gift of deacon? Is that a gift? Like one of the offices, like, like uh, apostles or teachers? think so. It's not on, that's not in the list. What about musical gifts in the church for the use of the edification of the body? Those in any of the lists? No. But are people gifted to edify the body with music? I think so. So I don't think these, these lists are intended to be exhaustive. They're intended to be um, suggestive. And, uh, and you very well may have some gifts that are not actually listed here in some of these um, formal lists. Think of, for example, so that, that's with regard to the incompleteness of the list. Fifthly, and I'm kind of rushing through this, so if you feel like you're drinking from a water hose, I'm sorry, or from a fire hose. <clears throat> the expression of the gifts. <clears throat> I'm trying to get away from the mic. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. What about the expression of the gifts? They ever think about, um, well, how is my gift to be expressed? I don't think that your gift is to be expressed outside of the nature of who God has made you to be. So, for example, all elders are to be qualified to teach. But if you look at our elders, each one is going to teach in a different way. And I don't think that the expression of those gifts if you have the gift to teach, that that, like I've mentioned before, is necessarily the only thing that you will have, the only gift that you will have, but that gift will be um, colored by and contoured with other gifts that you have. So, you know, take for example, Pastor Mark, obviously gifted teacher, but he has other gifts too. The gift of administration, I think he's a good administrator. And so there's this blend of gifts in Pastor Mark and that is going to express itself in his own life and according to the personality that God has given him. Think of Pastor Ted. I think Pastor Ted 
obviously was gifted to teach. <clears throat> but I think Pastor Ted also had the gift of mercy. And so as he teaches, that gift of mercy is probably going to come out in some way. <laughs> and uh, as he function in, functions in life, um, he, will have his, he has, has had his own unique blend of the gifts. Pastor Keith, gifted to teach. He also has a gift of tongues, right? At least Spanish tongue. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Anyway, the point is, is that we have our own unique blending of the gifting that God has given us, I believe. And it's going to express itself in accordance to the, the personality that God has given us. Now, I mentioned to you, we're moving on now to the order of the gifts. I mentioned to you to pay attention to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, the latter part where he is listing the gifts and he says in verse 28, first prophets, the first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, he lists them in an order. He puts them in a kind of priority order. And I believe that that order has to do with what God was going to, to use in the founding of the New Testament church. Remember that when Christ came, there was a dramatic transition, which we will have to talk about later, um, from Old Covenant Israel, moving from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, and all that was involved with establishing the New Testament church. <clears throat> and in the process of establishing the church, he gave gifts to men as he ascended back up into heaven in order to do that, to accomplish that. And, um, <clears throat> and those, some of those gifts have a certain uh, priority um, in their use. Paul was going to later, Paul has told us in Ephesians chapter in verse 20 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and so there's a kind of um, a foundational character to some of the gifts and I think that's why he says first apostles second prophets third teachers and on we go so there's an ordering to the gifts that um, has to do with the the time in the history of redemption and the nature of the gift that is given. The apostles were to bore witness to the resurrection and teach the word of God that they heard from Jesus and that they received from the Holy Spirit. The prophets, they spoke the divine word of revelation as contemporaries of the apostles. And the teachers later were to study, research, clarify, understand, validate, um, instruct God's people in, in the word. <clears throat> and so, he gives certain gifts, and there's an ordering to some of the gifts. Now, I think not all of the gifts you know, fall in some particular order, but those initial, those ones that, that Paul identifies as being first, second, and third are, um, I think, uh, important. it's important for us to, to observe that. And then lastly, <clears throat> under making some observations about these gifts, uh, the lists of the gifts, um, I want to just make this observation about the controlling of the gifts, the controlling of the gifts. Look with me then again at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very last, um, the very last verse of chapter 12. 
And Paul says this, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. Now, there was no chapter break when Paul wrote this. So just keep on reading with me. I show you a still more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it, love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. And then he goes on and says, the gifts, some of these gifts, they're going to pass away. But love never fails. And so how are the gifts to be controlled? That's what Paul's talking about here. What controls the gifts? And if you look at the, the love does, but if you look at the nature of love, well, what is love? love what is love like? Love is, is patient. You know, love is not jealous, doesn't brag, is not arrogant. Basically, love manifests all the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> and uh, it's, in a sense, it's the first in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I think maybe has a certain priority there, e even there. And so what I'm going to say then is that the gifts of the Spirit are to be controlled by the fruit of the Spirit. And if you are manifesting your gift in a way that is not controlled by the by the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then you're missing the boat. When you exercise your gift, you're to do it with patience. You're to do it, love is, love is patient. When you exercise your, your gift, you're to do it with kindness. Love is kind. When you exercise your gift, you're to not be jealous. Somebody else, two people have the gift to teach. Don't be jealous of somebody else who has a maybe certain aspects to his ability to teach that, that um, outshine yours. Should you be jealous of that person? No, you rejoice that he can do that better than you. Exercise your gift in such a way that you, you, um, rejoice in, you, you don't rejoice in unrighteousness, but you rejoice with the truth that you bear all things you believe. In other words, these characteristics of love are to characterize how we use our gifts in the body of Christ. And that's what keeps us from just being a group of people who were in com competition with one another, trying to outshine one another, trying to be better than the next guy, show myself to be you know, the top dog. No, that's not what we're doing here. We are here for the good of the other person. It's for the common good, Paul tells us. And so I exercise my gift in a way that is to be... Um, is to be for the good and the upbuilding of the other person and the other persons, all the body of Christ. That's, that's the goal. And so as we make these observations about the gifts of the Spirit, let us never forget that which is um, more enduring 
and controlling of, of those gifts. And in fact, if love controls us, we will actually want to use our gifts, won't we? Okay, so those are just some observations about the lists of the gifts of the Spirit. Hey, Larry. Yes. I heard somebody speak one time, maybe Tim Keller, maybe John Carter, I'm not talking about what should a Christian do when making a decision. And basically, he was saying, you know, if you're a real believer and the Holy Spirit is guiding you, you should do what you want to do. You should do what you like to do. You know, so if the Spirit is giving you something that you enjoy doing, and do that. Figure out within a church body to figure out what it is you'd like to do and want to do. Can help build each other up and glorify God. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's good. There, um, I have a little article. I can send you a, a link to it if you'd like to read it by Tim Keller, in which he he says some things like that. <clears throat> um, and uh, Pastor, I asked Pastor Mark if he had. So I have some some more extensive. Uh, evaluation of your gift forms at home, but this is a, a briefer one and it gives you some helpful guidelines to start with. That uh, may be the one, same one that you're referring to, I don't know. Don? Along that line, and I had it written down, should we necessarily enjoy serving with our gift? Is it something we, is that an indication that it's our gift? Is it something we enjoy? Okay, so Donna's asking if we should enjoy our gift, <laughs> the use of our gift. And I think so. You know, I think it would be something, I think it would most likely be unusual if, uh, you know, the gift that God has given you to use is a real drudgery to you. Um, you know, all right, got to go show mercy again, you know. Uh, you know. <laughs> That's a good point, though, because if you don't enjoy it, because I mean, what we're saying here is it's the Holy Spirit, it's God that is indwelling you and giving you a desire to do things. And if you're making coffee on Sunday mornings and you don't like it, then you should, maybe, you know, there's sometimes when you got to sacrifice yourself, maybe you should find something else. You know, if you don't like AV or you don't, if you're doing something you don't enjoy, then maybe, I don't think it's a hard, fast rule, you should say, okay, what is it here that's going on that I can do, that I do enjoy? So yeah, I think you should. Yeah. If you have an affinity for it, you know, a desire for it. Um, yeah, and I think that uh, get you some second. I think that um, you know any any exercise of your gift, I think it's going to have at times um, the occasion where it's 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 a struggle. Maybe it's not so easy. Just ask Pastor Mark or any of the pastors who who, who teach. You're preparing your your message. You're preparing your sermon. And there are times when you're like, oh, kind of beating your head against the wall. You feel like it's not going anywhere. But overall, overall, it is something that they have an affinity toward and that they enjoy doing. Steve? I'm just thinking in any equation, you've got to find all your variables. Sometimes when dealing with gifts, you've got a number of things. You know, we're in a fallen world. Every church is full of sinners. And I bet if you ask any pastor, there's probably been moments when the best of men in, in the pastoral I felt like I don't like doing this anymore, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, and there's probably other times when we have to look at ourselves and and see to find out is this really a gift or is this just something that I'm feeling better about myself because I'm doing it and maybe my my motives are not gospel oriented. You know, there's so many things that we can look at uh, that can be outside and inside that can make us really muddy up whether it is a gift or it's not, whether it's a gift from God to use or not. Um, 
neuroscience. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, and I, I agree, you know, that um, we all just have, we, but overall, I think it is uh, safe to say that generally speaking, um, you will enjoy the use of your gift. It'll be something that you have a desire to do. There may be unenjoyable aspects of it, but overall, you will, you will feel, um, you know, this is something that the Lord would have me to do. Yes. You're just somebody that you don't know what gifts you really have. How would you determine what that would be for you? And is that the responsibility of an elder or leaders of the church to kind of help you? Directly? That's, a, that's a really good question. Okay, so Dave is asking um, how you determine your gifts and what is the role of the, uh, the leaders of the church, the pastors, teachers, in helping you to discern your gifts. Um, I do think that um, what's already been suggested, you know, do you have a desire for this particular giftedness? Look about what are the opportunities that are available. Do you have, an, do you have a desire to, to step in and fill that opportunity? One person suggested that, what is it that bugs you in the church? You know, what gets kind of, ah, you say, ah, man, that, I wish they would do this. I wish this was better. Well, maybe uh, the Lord has given you a kind of insight into something because that's where you're gifted. And you are the one to step in and make it better. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that these are hard and fast rules, but do you, do you enjoy it? Do you, are you able to see where the need is? Is there an opportunity for you to step in and meet those needs? I think those are some of the kinds of things that you can look at, and, and I can give you that, um, that article by Keller, and he may have some additional, he's like two pages, not very long, but it, some additional insight into that for anybody who would be interested in that. But the second part of your question with regard to the role of the, uh, that's why, according to Ephesians, that he gave, if you can turn with me back to Ephesians chapter 4, That's why he gave apostles and, and prophets and evangelists, and I believe that at least with regard to apostles and prophets, that we don't uh, have those offices extant today, but um, we do still have pastors and teachers, and that, that phrase there, pastors and teachers, I believe refers to the same office, a single office, it's hyphenated pastor-teacher. I'm not going to go into the Greek to explain that, but that's what I believe the Greek indicates. And he says that he gave these, why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, to equip the saints. And what are the saints to do then? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So it's the saints who are to be uh, equipped. They get equipped and then they go out and serve. And when they serve, the body of Christ is built up. It's not just he gave pastors and teachers to build up. They're, all, they're the only ones to be involved in the building up the body of Christ. No, it's that the pastors and teachers are to equip the saints, and they, in turn, um, are to build up the body of Christ. And a part of the way in which that takes place, I believe, is through the preaching of the word. But I don't know that it's exclusively that. There's other ways in which that can be done. Um, but... 
yes, I think that um, it's helpful to have uh, pastors and teachers who have, you might say, the, the, uh, the big view, the overview of the body as a whole, and pretty much have their, their finger on the pulse of, of all of the members of the body, they uh, can often be very helpful and instrumental in helping fit you in where they see your gifts lie and, um, and where the church has needs. And we can, I mean, that, that could be a whole topic in and of itself, but Patrick, did you have something you wanted to say? I don't want to be one of those guys that responds to every response, but, uh, and I don't want to brag on this next point. When I went to Connect Lunch we're doing today, uh, getting back to if something bugged you and you think it'd be a good idea for the church, and when I went to a church out in El Paso and they did the Connect Lunch, you know, I thought, this is a really good idea. This is a great idea. And I would love for us to try it. And it took two years of talking to the elders about it. And every now and then I just say, well, you know, obviously this is not going to go anywhere. And I just cranked up it. But then it would come back in my head. And I'd say, hey, what do you guys think about that? And I'd present the idea to you. And it, it literally took two years of emailing, talking, just occasionally, and finally having a meeting and saying, can we try it for a year or six months or something? And so far, I think it's worked out pretty well. We'll find out. But my point is, I thought it was a really good idea. It took a couple of years to get the pastors to sign on to trying it out. And But I've also got to be prepared for, at the end of that year, for them to say, you know, this isn't where we're working out. Um, so to get back to the point of what should you do if you don't know what your gifts are, sometimes you just got to do it that way. Mm -hmm. Try it out. Think about it. Talk about it. Talk to other people. You know, they, there's much more wisdom. You know, and I've discovered that with the deacons and the pastors, because uh, I'm an idea factory. They throw stuff at them and just ask them, "What do you think about this?" And there's a lot of wisdom that comes back. And sometimes the wisdom is, "No, we're not doing that uh, here." And sometimes the wisdom is, "What well, was try?" Yeah. You know. Yes, and let me make one other comment with regard to the the gifts. Um, most of the gifts are things that we all need to be involved in in one way or another. For example, let's just use, a, I'll pick two of them, say the gift of giving. Some people just ha have a way of being generous and giving. Um, they, they see needs, they're able to perceive a situation, and they're able to step in, and, and it, may not, it may not be necessarily that they're giving exorbitant amounts of money. Uh, they may be giving small amounts. They just know and are able to step in and see the needs that people have and to give to those needs. Or the gift of mercy. You know, there, there are people who can walk past someone on the way in to church, look at their face, and, and just somehow they are able to discern this person needs a word of encouragement. And, you know, I'm standing there, I'm saying, what? That's really neat that that person was able to discern that that person was down and just needed some, some lifting up. Now, that person, one person has the gift of giving, another person has the gift of mercy. And I may not have those gifts. But does that mean that I'm not to give and seek to be generous? Does that mean I'm not to, to learn to be merciful? No, I think that what God does is he puts people in the body as prime examples of what he like wants everybody else to be. There's a person who really exemplifies mercy. And God does that 
He puts them in the body so that the rest of us can see that's what it looks like. That's what I need to be like. And we can begin to emulate that and become more and more um, capable in those areas that other people are gifted in. And so when you see people with gifts, you may never be as gifted as that individual, but don't think of it as something, well, that's for them, not for me. No, I think that's, there's an example for me to follow. And the body builds itself up in love. One other thing. Um, are you encouraged as a teacher to see Carl and Dave here? <laughs> well, <laughs> my brother wants to know if uh, I'm encouraged to see Carl and Dave here. Yes, if Carl and Dave said, oh, Larry's teaching, I'm not coming. Um, yeah, that would be, yeah, sure. It's always an encouragement to see people here. So as an individual Christian, there's always one thing you can do, show up. Yeah. And that would be an encouragement. It's pretty hard for the body to build itself up in love if nobody ever comes. <laughs> so, and that's, and by the way, it's not, it doesn't mean that the only way in which we can build ourselves up is in corporate gathering, obviously. There are many other opportunities for us to exercise our gifts, um, but, um, but yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> point two. <laughs> I have this feeling that we're not going to get to, uh, what, point eight. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the Lord the Lord knows okay what are the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit um, now we've already talked about some of the purposes obviously in a certain way but we're gonna move on and talk about this in a different way some of the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit some gifts have a um, had a transitional Okay, I'm going to use a phrase. Had a transitional, redemptive, historical purpose. Some gifts have an ongoing <coughs> I believe in the New Testament some gifts have a transitional redemptive historical purpose. By transitional, I mean, where, as I've already indicated or hinted at earlier, there is a major, major transition from, in the history of redemption, from God's focus being on Old Testament Israel and transitioning to the New Testament church. Big transition. That transition 
centers around, focuses on the coming of Christ. He is the apex or the focal point, um, the fulcrum point, what other analogy you want to use there, in the, in the history of redemption. As God planned from the beginning to redeem a people, the coming of Christ is a central key event, that event, those events with regard to the first advent of Christ. And so some of those gifts that God gave were for the purpose of that transition. They were transitioning from the age of shadows and types, the age of copies, to the age of the reality. Look with me at Matthew chapter 21. Real quickly, Matthew 21, verses 42. You following? In Matthew 21, verse 42, it says, um, And Jesus said to them, <clears throat> talking to the Uh, to those who were like the chief priests and, and um, leaders in, in Israel. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, of course, he's referring to himself. He's the chief cornerstone in the building of the church, and he has come. And the Jewish leaders are rejecting him. They're not accepting him. Verse 43. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, you as a nation of Israel, and be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. What is the nature of this nation? If you look, if you look over in 1 Peter chapter 2, We'll learn a little bit about it. Remember that quotation about the chief cornerstone. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2. And um, so that I'm not doing all the reading. Well, maybe I'll go ahead and read this one. <laughs> um, 1 Peter chapter 2. What is the nature of this nation, this new nation, taking away from the nation of Israel and giving it to a, to a new nation? Verse 4, and coming to him, that is we as Christians are coming to him, Christ, as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you, are, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. We just got through reading Jesus' quotation of that, didn't we? This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. You see, the Jewish nation rejected the Messiah as a whole, as a nation. 
they became disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. In verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And Jesus said, I'm going to take it away from the nation of Israel and give it to another nation. What's the nature of this nation? It's a spiritual nation. It's a nation built up of living stones, not the stone. The temple in the Old Testament, the stones of the temple were always simply a shadow and a type of that which is to come. And he was going to be building his temple out of living stones, which brothers and sisters, you are. You are those stones. You are that temple. The church as a whole is the temple of God. Individually, we are temples of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. But the church, any local expression of that of the church is, in the New Testament, the temple of God. So there's a transitional period. And we, we um, sometimes have a hard time understanding the the importance of and the the, dramatic, the um, significant impact that had upon the nation of Israel and the people who were alive at the time of Christ. It was such a major change that it required the extraordinary signs of proof that were given with, with many of the gifts. So some of the gifts then are for this transitional purpose. Let me give you some quick examples. Pentecost. At the time of the, what was happening at Pentecost, God, and we're going to be covering this in a lot more detail in future lessons. And, we, and I almost wish that uh, we had covered this first. But there's the gift of the Spirit, singular, and the gifts, plural, of the Spirit. Pentecost was the gift, singular, of the Spirit. Remember Jesus said the Holy Spirit had not yet been given? Well, he was given at Pentecost. That's what Pentecost was all about. And when he was given, there were the signs of tongues. The tongues that were exercised at the time of, the, of Pentecost were, were to, um, to demonstrate that the Spirit of God was in fact given. And you can read about that um, more in Acts 2, 10, and 19. When you see the gift of tongues being given in the gift of in the in the book of Acts, you'll find that it is to demonstrate God's giving of His Spirit for the building of the church. And so we see Him given, you know, to those in the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem to Jews, and then you see Him given later on to a Gentile, and then you see Him given later on to those who had been baptized by. John, but not baptized in, in the, the name of Jesus. And they are baptized in the name of Jesus. They're transitional saints. Those who were saints in the Old Testament times and who followed the, the teachings of John the Baptist, but now they're learning about Christ. They were genuine children of God. It's just that they hadn't learned about Christ because this is a transitional period. And now they're learning about Christ and they believe in Christ and they are baptized with water, but they also speak in tongues to indicate that these transitional saints are also part of the church of God. And so you see the tongues being given in a transitional time. Tongues is also a sign of judgment for Israel. Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, 
And if you want to turn to that real quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Fourteen, verse 20, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be babes, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, and he's, here he's, this whole context here is talking about the gift of tongues and prophecy and how it's to be used in that early church. He says, In the law it is written, By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. And he quotes from Isaiah. He quotes from Isaiah, kind of strange. Well, how is it, why is he quoting from Isaiah in this whole topic of the gift of tongues? I believe that one of the aspects of the gift of tongues, one of the purposes of the gift of tongues is it's a sign of judgment on Israel. <clears throat> Remember I already said that we we're transitioning from Israel to the church, from Israel being the outward people of God, and that kind of fading away now, and the New Testament church being the people of God uh, the reality has come. In the book of, of, uh, of Isaiah, there was judgment that was coming upon the nation of Israel. And the way that that judgment was going to be manifest was they were going to hear a foreign language in their cities. Men were going to come in, they're going to trample, they're going to fight, they're going to overcome the city, they're going to take... Uh, Jerusalem captive or other cities they're going to take them captive and when they do they hear the foreigners coming in the barbarians coming in and they hear a foreign language and what God was saying in Isaiah's day is when you hear these foreigners trampling in you through your city and you hear that foreign language that those that you call barbarians when you hear that and when you see that happening in your city, you're, you know that you're undergoing the curses of the covenant because you've broken my covenant. It's judgment. It's a sign of judgment. And that's what Paul is talking about here, I think, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that the, the tongues was given as also as a sign of judgment. It's a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, meaning it's a sign that you guys haven't believed, just like Old Testament Israel had not believed, and therefore... Um, they experience the judgment of the foreigners coming in and speaking in the, the barbarians. By the way, barbarian comes from, uh, the word comes from the fact that it sounded to them like they were saying, they couldn't understand the language of these foreigners and it just sounded like they, to them they were going bar, 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 you know, like we, you know. And so they come up with the term barbarians and that's how the word barbarians came from. Anyway, so, it's a sign of judgment. Some of these gifts are a sign of judgment, and Israel um, is not undergoing that sign again, and so there's this transitional period. The gifts um, also served as a confirmation of the message of the messengers. They, it served to authenticate the message, and we're going to look at one more passage, and then we're going to have to quit. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and um, we'll just read beginning with verse uh, 
verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Afterwards, at the first, spoken through the Lord, that is Jesus, it was confirmed by, to us by those who heard, that is especially his apostles. So the Lord spoke, and then it was confirmed, it was spoken again, it was what he taught them, they taught others. Verse 4, God also bearing witness with them, that is with those who heard and, and taught what Jesus said, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And so here's a, a broad sweeping statement with regard to the purpose of these gifts, these sign gifts, these miraculous gifts. They were given to bear witness and authenticate the message of the messengers, that they were indeed messengers of Christ. They were indeed messengers who brought the truth of Jesus and their message then is to be believed and thus the the signs the wonders and miracles etc that they did confirmed that time's up maybe what I'll do is invite you all over to my house and we'll finish it there <laughs> I'm serious about that I'm, I, I'd be open to do something like that but uh, okay let's uh, quickly uh, pray and we'll be dismissed and um, Patrick would you close us in prayer Father Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word that tells us uh, how you work within our own lives. Help us, Lord, to have the ability to distinguish what gifts you have given us and to use those to serve others and to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I just push record. Turn it off. All right.